Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. W-A-B-E in Atlanta. I'm Lois Reitzes, and this is City Lights. Thank you for listening as together we continue to navigate life during quarantine. Today, we're focusing on the very young as well as the elderly. Atlanta's Center for Puppetry Arts has a wide array of free virtual content to entertain young children. And Radio Recliner is a new online radio station operated entirely by senior citizens, enlivening memories through the power of music. Memories are also the subject of Joe Barry Carroll's new book, about a legendary basketball coach. First, we're in our spring member drive, but don't go away because we're keeping these breaks very short. We need your help to keep WABE going. That's because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. So please give right now at wabe.org slash donate. Joining me now is WABE's operations manager, Kevin Rinker. Hey, Lois. That's wabe.org slash donate to make a donation or call 678-553-9090. We need your financial support right now because it helps pay for city lights. Today, we're partnering with the Piedmont Healthcare Foundation to provide a frontline worker with a kit of personal protective equipment. That's items like masks, gowns, and gloves. The Piedmont Healthcare Foundation is an organization that specifically raises resources for the Piedmont healthcare system. So... Please help by making a donation now at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. That's wabe.org slash donate. Thanks to all of you who've already made a financial gift to WABE. Listeners like Greg Wagoner in Roswell, he wrote to us and said, WABE and NPR are my primary source of news and entertainment these days. Your work is phenomenal. Thank you. Well, thanks to you, Greg, for your message as well as your support. 
His donation helps make this all possible, but we still need to hear from you. Please give now at wabe.org slash donate. Or call 678-553-9090. Every day on City Lights, Lois gives you the lowdown on what's happening in Atlanta's arts and culture scene, even during these strange times of the coronavirus pandemic. And we can only do this with your support. It's why we need your donation. Many of our listeners donate about $15 a month. Please give what you feel you can afford at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Okay, we're returning to City Lights in 30 seconds. Thanks to everyone who's helped us today. We need to hear from you, too. Please give at 678-553-9090. Or at wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give. If you're already a sustaining member of WABE, please consider giving an additional gift if you can. It'll really help us during these challenging times. Make your donation by calling 678-553-9090 or go to wabe.org slash donate. Thanks. All-American and NBA All-Star Joe Barry Carroll is the best player ever to grace the courts at Purdue University. After college, he spent 10 seasons in the NBA and has since become a successful financial advisor, artist, and author. Mr. Carroll's latest book, Coach Lee Rose on Family and Basketball, was co-authored with his former Purdue coach, who is struggling with Alzheimer's disease. When Joe Barry Carroll joined me via Zoom, He began talking about Coach Rose's Kentucky boyhood and how it formed his character. I think early in his book, he he talks about that it it became a sixth sense for him. I'm fascinated that we grew up, I mean, he's, I guess, nearly 25 years older than I am, but uh, we both grew up in similar environments culturally and and economically because we both grew up in very poor communities me in Arkansas, in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and he in uh, Kentucky. But it's funny, it wasn't the same, but it really did rhyme. So it, it really helped me kind of interpret a lot of what he was saying. I could understand things because I was there, but just in a different place. But I mean, he really took those values and in, out into the world and managed them as much as you can in such a tough, cold world coming from a small town environment. Lee Rose discovered the importance of sports early in his life, and that's powerfully conveyed in the opening chapter. Would you read a passage, the last paragraph on page 14 through paragraph 1 on page 15? Young athletes, football, basketball, and baseball all gave me something different and good. I like the fact that there was never a clock in baseball, everything in its own time. I enjoyed the stop and go rhythm of football and how that contrasted to the constant movement of basketball. Early on, I recognized sports as a place with rules and order, a culture all its own, a society within a society. I was drawn to all of that. I liked that the rules had been pretty much the same since the game began long ago. 
that made it feel that this society within a larger society was predictable and reliable. In order to be successful, I would just need to learn the rules and work hard. And I, I think that really goes to that early kind of Kentucky upbringing about honesty and fair play and a real attitude about a strong work ethic that it would pay off. But it also shows the depth of thought he brings to sports, the analysis that it's a society within a society. I mean, this man is an intellect. He is. But he's plain spoken at the same time. He doesn't complicate it. We joke because I was always asking him why and asking him deeper into it. You know, I, the, the joke I had with him is that I say, Coach, uh, why did the man cross the road? And he'd be looking at me like, hell, Joe, because I wanted to be on the other side. But, you know, <laughs> and then we'd have to find out why did he cross the road and what, what, what was the benefit of going to this other place versus staying where he was. Yeah, sometimes I think that maybe instead of economics, you should have majored in philosophy. And this book uh, supports that notion. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what economics is, actually. And philosophy? That's what it, I mean. It's a it's a intellectual discussion. It's a it's a uh, rigorous kind of discussion of why and how. And that's a lot of what we worked on here. I, I leaned this more toward a novel as opposed to just another basketball book because I didn't think the world was that interested in hearing about games played and, and money made or this job or that job or the gossip as much as something a little more profound, a little more interesting. What are we observing when we see this cat going up and down the floor as a coach? you know, on the sidelines. Even why does he put his foot on the playing floor as a signal to the referee that I matter? You know, because coaches, there's a little thing they do that they will step onto the floor. They shouldn't be there, you know, but it's part of their communication to the referee because it is, it's a society with its own standards and mores and disciplines. His first basketball experience was with a real basket, a bushel <laughs> basket. Yeah. <laughs> It all began with picking berries. Even as a boy, he understood that being competitive did not mean creating an enemy out of the opposing player. He says he turned inward to try to get better. How did he impart that to his players while still trying to get you all to win. Like he demonstrates it in some places because there's a, some conversation about he and Bobby Knight. You know, there's always these rivalries in state, in conference, nationally, and he just never got into it. He just looked at it and said, we're going down to Bloomington and we're going to win. And we, this is how we're going to do it. But there was never a whole lot of personalities involved because some people think they really have to hate their opponent. You know, they want to eat their children and that type of thing. And, and he never had that. He was just like very clear on what our purpose was. And when you hear people talk about the great coaches, John Wooten and, and uh, Adolph Rupp and all these guys in history, that's the way we felt about Coach Rose. He was that cat. That civility even had a place on the basketball court. But he was fierce now. It's funny. There's a picture, a very popular picture of me, uh, 
during a game going over getting instruction from him and it it highlights the the disparity in our heights i mean i didn't even realize until now that he was not even six feet tall because he's this fierce guy and you just don't know until later until i'm you know i'm going to be 62 this year i'm just now realizing that he's not that big as you know he's just as a hatcher he just had that discipline and control about you know everything the way he approached it everything all practices were scheduled out it's really i told him i thanked him several times that it's even helped me as an entrepreneur and a businessman in terms of the way i approach negotiations having purpose and reason because he used those terms quite regularly he just didn't suffer foolishness very well coach rose never lost sight of the importance of family during his career how would you describe his marriage we talk about it a lot in the book and i kind of reference the gibran's uh talk about marriage in terms of how you have this kind of partnership they're dependent upon each other in a very real way but they also had a lot of space for independence because they're two self-directed people i've been around them for over 40 years now and observed them and they just they are everything that the book says that they are there's a passage in there that talks about that a man pays tribute to his children by demonstrating love for their mother and I just loved that. I just thought that was so beautiful. It's like, you know, <laughs> he had a place very well. I mean, he and, Ele- he and Eleanor, his wife's name is Eleanor. They are, they're clear. I mean, they're just clear. I was talking to her once on the phone and because we've been in contact, we've been, had a relationship since, since I left college. And she says, and I picked Lee up and, and he was coming from somewhere and, and we just laughed and laughed. And I just thought, wow, they've been married for a hundred years and they're still looking forward to seeing each other and they're laughing and talking and then- Is she dancing in the kitchen? Yeah, oh yeah. Now I have not seen them dance because I think I'm still his pupil in certain ways. He only exposes certain things to me, but I believe it because they both talk about it. Because even now they dance in this season of their life as well. It's a little, you know, it's adjusted in a certain way to accommodate this season of his life, but they still dance. Well, clearly the romance never left that marriage. Oh, yeah, they they carry on. (laughs) He achieved great results first at a small Kentucky college, Transylvania, then worked at the University of Cincinnati and did something extraordinary with the program at UNC Charlotte. Let's talk about Coach Rose's time with the Boilermakers of Purdue. Now, full disclosure, my husband and I were at Indiana University during the glory days of their Hoosier basketball team with Bobby Knight. People won't hold it against you that you couldn't get into (laughs) Purdue, but if you couldn't get into Purdue, Indiana's just as well, you know? You did the best you could. I did, and that music school and the radio station also served me well. But well. Look at there. Look at you. (laughs) But Coach Bobby Knight was known for, shall we say, an explosive temper and the in-state rivalry between IU and Purdue is ridiculously fierce. Lee Rose's relationship with Bobby Knight began in a remarkable way. Would you talk about that as it's conveyed in the book? 
Well, he just decided when he came there, he knew that that thing existed. And on some level, I think coach just felt that that would be fun for the fans to get involved with or whatever, but it was just going to be a grand distraction for him. So he and he and Bobby Knight had had a conversation at some coaches clinic that they were just going to play. They were going to come for each other. It was going to be a, a healthy competition and that was going to be it. But they also had kind of a tender moment with, with not necessarily he and coach Knight, but their wives, Mrs. Rose had a, an accident. Someone plowed into her car and Miss Knight called her to check on her. And that was something that always kind of, I think, maintained a certain kind of good feeling toward the two camps. But publicly, they acted out. Everybody just kind of, you know, acted as though, oh, we hate them. But you really, I mean, that's just for fun. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't add up to very much because the game still has to be played. And it's mostly there, I think, for the fans and the locals to have a good time with. Yeah, but I think it's remarkable that Rose called Knight as soon as he took the job and said, I am not interested in hurting you or trashing your program, and can't we just be friends and civil? I mean, that that really speaks volumes. It's more about civility, I think, more so than friends, because he, I think friends was like a luxury he really didn't have. Anybody who knows Bobby Knight, even now knows that he's not that warm and fuzzy of a guy, but I think he, he did have a respect for Coach Rose that uh, he, he saw his come. Plus, we were very competitive, and I think we probably beat them more times than they beat us while Coach Rose was there. Joe Barry Carroll, author of Coach Lee Rose on Family and Basketball. We'll return with more of this conversation in a moment. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We are fundraising today, but keeping these breaks very short in order to get you right back to the show. Please help if you can at wabe.org slash donate. Kevin Rinker is WABE's operations manager. He joins us now. WABE.org slash donate is the website to go to, or you can call 678-553-9090. Your donation helps us bring you the latest news about coronavirus, and that's particularly relevant today because every donation you make to WABE, today only, will provide a frontline worker with a kit of personal protective equipment. That's because we're partnering with the Piedmont Healthcare Foundation as part of our one community initiative. Please help by making a donation now at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. We all know how urgent these supplies are to protect medical, EMS, and hospital workers. So give right now at wabe.org slash donate. Thanks to Piedmont's COVID Infrastructure Fund for sponsoring today's partnership. That's wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. City Lights is here for you every weekday. We bring you thoughtful interviews with creative people, allowing you to step back from the daily news and appreciate Atlanta's rich arts and culture scene. Even as we maintain social distancing measures, you rely on us. Now, we are relying on you to make a donation. Please give right now at wabe.org slash donate. 
or you can call 678-553-9090. We need your donation because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. Many of our listeners give $15 a month, but please donate what you feel you can afford at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. City Lights is 30 seconds away. Thanks to everyone who has helped us today. Now we look forward to hearing from you. Won't you please donate at 678-553-9090. Or at wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give. $15 a month is ideal, but please give what you can afford. Just go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thanks so much. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Let's return to my conversation with NBA All-Star and author Joe Barry Carroll. His recent book is about the esteemed coach Lee Rose. Here's what it was like playing under Coach Rose at Purdue University. I didn't really know what to think. I had spent the first two years there under another coach and he just resigned one day. And I was, you know, I was feeling, I had a little hurt feelings actually because he promised me that he was gonna be there for as long as I was there. And he, at the end of year two and a horrible season, he just resigned. At the time I had hurt feelings, but I didn't know that that was gonna be the best thing that could have happened for me because Coach Rhodes came in and he changed things around in a way that uh, I think Instead of having an 11-year professional basketball career, I probably would have just been what they call a journeyman player, just good enough to play but not really have any types of contracts that I signed or or be a starter for all those years and that type of stuff. But he was good. We just had this conversation. And he one of the things I always give him credit for is that he, he read me early. He knew I would respond to his expectation. He picked up on your intensity too. Yeah, I, I, I want to think I was intense, but I really was probably just an insecure 20 year old just trying to make it. I mean, I think sometimes we look like adults at that age, but we really aren't. We still have this extended adolescence. So we're very lucky if somebody like Coach Rose comes along and feels like they don't have that you're not a problem to be solved, but you're somebody <laughs> who they could build something around. And that's what he did. He, he created an expectation. He told me, Joe, we're going to bring you the ball because that's what all players want is to have the ball come to them because I was an offensive player. And so it results in me having averaging over 20 points a game, whatever the number was, from being just a okay player. How did your relationship evolve? 
I was very grateful that he put me in a position that I was drafted number one in the NBA draft, but also we were friends over time. Some players talk about their coach being a father figure. He was not a father figure for me, but he was a teacher. He was a great teacher for me. I had a great relationship. If anybody who's read my other books know that I had a great relationship with my father. So I wasn't looking for a father figure, but I did need someone to help me understand basketball better. And he did that as well as the discipline around that and preparation. That is something he shared with Bobby Knight. Rose took the role of teacher very seriously. It was part of his identity as a coach, even in his early days coaching Lee Rose encouraged players to study hard and develop interests in addition to sports. I thought it was impressive to read that he encouraged players to visit museums and theaters while the team was on tour in other cities. He really was trying to create men in full a whole person and i think it was also and it was it was i think encouragement is a good term uh, because nobody was required to do that it was pretty easy for me because i had these interests but to just have somebody who supported that or that perhaps you know he'd share uh, uh, some passage or something out of a book or ask you what you're reading or that type of thing as well as you know, creating a study table for the players because he, it was real important to him that players graduate uh, while they were there. You know, if you didn't reach a certain grade level, you had to go to study table each night. And all the tutors that you wanted in the world were available for you. It was a very nurturing environment. You had this great teacher-student relationship, and clearly as a coach, he helped develop your talent tremendously. When did you become friends? We're probably still working on that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Eleanor has been helpful uh, because she's kind of that, you know, we're always in the mix. We do things. I mean, I go uh, have a place that he'll invite me there when when he was traveling more. I'd go up, you know, we have dinner and I'd spend the night and that type of thing. I was never so concerned as when I, when I, finish the book and waiting to hear what they thought. And then to know that they were pleased was a really big deal for me. That's what, that's what my life was reduced to. It's like, I've been all these places, done all these things, money, all this stuff, but my whole, all of my happiness was based on, please let them like this. Please let them Aww. like this. Well, talk about emotional investment. There are two chapters titled The Long Goodbye, the first written by Coach Rose himself, the other by his wife, Eleanor. They both address that he has Alzheimer's disease. He writes, after a life of being responsible for shepherding men across the continent, I'm sometimes now challenged to recall if I'm in the process of standing up or sitting down. This part of the book is really tough to read. Eleanor Rose writes, frequently I cry inside my heart. Why was it important for 
Lee Rose to publicly acknowledge his Alzheimer's. We talked about this for a long time because I certainly didn't want this to be some marketing event. And I told them, I promised them, I said, listen, I'm gonna, we're gonna go through this and be full-throated about everything. And I need you to read it and read it again and let's talk about it because I'm only gonna print what you approve of. And when we got it all together, they said, let's do it. I think coach felt that this was a contribution that he could make because he he's you know he's been in, into public service he volunteers at pantries he uh, does a lot of you know good work out in the world beyond just basketball and and young men who we help shape but he's also done you know outreach and nonprofit work so I think this is an extension of kind of his ministry around doing good work and uh, I and Eleanor she's his partner and they both feel the same way that it was a uh, kind of a public service because it is what it is. Now, fortunately he still has pretty good days. Like if I called him or as he will call me from time to time, he's clear as a bell, but there are some challenges around memory. Actually the real challenges right now is that he has some, and I speak to it in the book, some physical disabilities around, uh, you know, uh, like he's wheelchair bound for instance but he's just, he's bright. I mean, he has really good days. He still has the last word. It doesn't matter where I've seen this man over the last 40 years, there's always, when we're saying goodbye, he has to have the last word. And it's always hilarious. It's like, sometimes I'm trying to get out, like I was in Charlotte when I took them the book and I was trying to leave, I'm going, okay, I have the last word. I told him a joke and I'm gone. And he just wheels over. And he has the last word and then I'm gone. I'm driving away thinking he got me again. <laughs> you know, so, so he's still, he's still, he's in the middle, he's in the middle of this battle. And it's very clear, especially with someone like for Eleanor, who's there every day. And anybody who's ever dealt with Alzheimer's knows that it's highs and lows, but he does rise to the occasion. But I think to your original question, before I went on this long answer, is that I think he felt by sharing it, it might lighten some other people's loads because it's kind of a lonely existence. A lot of times you're just, they're just there with the caregiver. And so now people who are having this experience, perhaps if they go through this, if they have this book or any, any place where they might read about what goes on, they may feel some sense of company that they're not by themselves. And that's why we tried to be very honest about what's going on and how it works and everything. Well, clearly his influence on you was profound. And now you have in turn brought his story to life. Joe Barry Carroll, thank you very much. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to see what the world thinks about it. All American. NBA All-Star, and author Joe Barry Carroll. His book is Coach Lee Rose on Basketball and Family. Missed any part of this interview? You can hear it on our new City Lights podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. 
The Center for Puppetry Arts has a wealth of free content online to fans all across the globe. I spoke with Interim Managing Director Beth Shavo about the programming and how the center adapted to the virtual stage. It was actually a pretty quick decision. We were very fortunate to already have an online platform that we use to bring content to schools. And we've been doing that for years. What we pretty quickly determined was we were not going to be happy being away from our patrons after we shut our doors. So we were able to get free content online within 24 hours of shutting our doors. It took a lot of work to get some recordings done and to make sure the content was appropriate, not just for kids in general, but really considerate of what kids are going through right now. And uh, we feel we've been able to do that. Yeah, you are streaming puppet shows online for kids. Can you tell us about some of the shows? Absolutely. Well, we have some of our longtime favorites on our digital learnings from Captain Healthy and Safety Dog, which teaches children how to have safe habits, including washing your hands. Aesop's Fables, so as you can imagine, all sorts of different stories under that umbrella. We've also added two new, very short offerings called Make It and Puppet Pal, and those are more interactive. Even though we've had to pre-record those because of the shelter in place, they're more interactive in the sense that they have the child make a puppet with things that they can find at home. You know, a toilet paper roll, markers, those types of things. Where are the puppet shows being performed? So we very quickly, before the shelter in place was in effect, very quickly recorded some of our favorite shows from our studios at the center because we are fortunate enough to have studios at the center. So we were able to do that. In addition, the Make It and the Puppet Pals are being done out of our puppeteers' homes. And so they've created their own little studio um, with a nice background in their house, and they're able to share that information from their house and record it, and then we upload it. Even though it's, it's at home, it is pre-recorded, and that's what we can do now, and in the future, hopefully be able to do more live interactive opportunities, too. I was wondering what it's like for the puppeteers, because... Performing without a live audience is not easy for actors and puppeteers who are actors. That's right. They absolutely are. And puppeteers are such a unique brand of of actors as well, I think, because they have to be conscious of their own bodily movements, but they also have to be conscious of the bodily movements of the puppet that they're holding. And so it is a really beautiful choreography if you watch a puppeteer perform a show, whether they're seen or they're not seen. In this case, the puppeteer has become part of the story. So the puppeteer is speaking to the puppet. And to be able to watch that is is pretty magical, actually. And it allows our puppeteers to be able to make a connection with the patrons that join us that otherwise they may not have that opportunity. Beth, what has been the response to all of the content you're providing? It's a really interesting time that people feel really stressed and including the puppeteers and myself, you know, what's the future going to hold? 
it has been incredibly uplifting and positive to see the response that we're getting online. We've had over 30,000 people watch our videos in just two weeks, and that's from 43 different countries so far. And so we are just blown away by the response. We've also had parents share pictures of their kids watching the shows or send pictures of them with the puppet that they've made as part of the Make It program that we have. So it's been extraordinary um, on a very personal level, but then also just the numbers themselves to be able to get the awareness of the center out into places other than Atlanta. Beth Shavo is the Interim Managing Director for the Center for Puppetry Arts. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're fundraising today because we need your support to keep WABE going strong. But wait, because this break will be short. Please help if you can at wabe.org slash donate. Joining me is WABE's operations manager, Kevin Rinker. Call 678-553-9090 or go to wabe.org slash donate. Your financial support right now will help WABE continue its excellent programs and news coverage. But today we're also partnering with the Piedmont Healthcare Foundation, providing frontline workers with personal protective equipment. Your one donation today will provide one kit for a worker, including masks, gowns, gloves, and shoe covers. Please help by making a donation at wabe.org slash donate, or by calling 678-553-9090. That's wabe.org slash donate, or call 678-553-9090. Thinking back over the past two months, WABE has done a lot. We're producing a podcast, Did You Wash Your Hands?, And City Lights shines its lights on how creative artists continue to work in our new reality, enriching our lives. Your donation right now will help us continue this important programming. Please give at wabe.org slash donate. Or call 678-553-9090. You know how much you can give, but if you're able to make a contribution of $1,200 or more, you'll become a Cornerstone member. Your generosity will allow us to deliver great programming. Please give as you can, and if you're able, at the Cornerstone level at wabe.org slash donate, or with a call to 678-553-9090. City Lights is 30 seconds away. Thank you for your help. Now, won't you please give at 678-553-9090. Or go to wabe.org slash donate. It only takes a couple of minutes to give. And if you can't commit to a monthly sustaining gift, no problem. Consider a one-time gift of $50 or $100, or maybe you can afford $500. You know what's right for you. Please play your part at wabe.org slash donate or call 678 Five five three ninety ninety. Thanks. Did you ever sing into a hairbrush as a pretend microphone? Maybe you're among those who like to imagine you're an entertainer. Well, there are also people who imagine being behind the microphone that brings you the music. I was among them when I was a teenager, and that became my career. Now. 
there is an online radio station for seniors. It's called Radio Recliner. Mitch Bennett, chief creative officer of the Atlanta agency Lucky, is with us now via Zoom. Mitch, thank you for joining us on City Lights. Well, thank you so much for having me. How did Lucky come up with the idea for Radio Recliner? We have a client named Bridge Senior Living, and they have uh, senior living centers across the country. And we were talking with them and, and realizing that, you know, social isolation is one of the number one problems in these kind of places for retired people on a good day. And during the pandemic, it's gotten even worse. They can't really socialize. They can't have visitors. They can't see their family. So we really wanted to find a way to keep seniors together and feeling connected, uh, even while they're in their rooms. Well, I think it's a wonderful idea. Who are your DJs? So our DJs are 100% real residents in senior living communities. They plan out every song they want to play. They tell stories about the music and why it's important to them. And they dedicate songs to friends and loved ones that they're missing and tell great stories. How many senior living residents are DJs now? So far, we've had 15 DJs. There's a new episode each day at noon at RadioRecliner.com. Um, we have another 15 booked to go, and the idea is to keep recording as, as long as there's interest. And we've had so many requests from uh, potential DJs all over the country, and, and we're lining those up now. So how do the seniors enroll to be a part of the online radio station? So our residents can sign up to be a DJ by either talking to their lifestyle director at the senior living center where they are, or they can call 855-863-0050. And that's where they can sign up to be a DJ. And that's also where family members and loved ones can send a request. I'm thinking about the setup for these residents. Who teaches them about radio recording and puts together the daily programming. We knew we wanted this to be 100% a pirate radio station run by retirees. So we at Lucky have created a way to make it very easy for the residents to become DJs. Most of them literally sit in a recliner uh, on their phone and they've prepared what songs they want to um, talk about. And we have a couple copywriters named uh, Denise and Vanessa who call them and walk them through it and record the whole thing over the phone. And then we edit it together and put it together along with the music and broadcast it uh, each day. And these DJs take requests for song dedications. How does that work? So anybody can request a song at the 800 number, and the DJs actually have songs in mind that they want to play and reach out to, uh, to loved ones and, and caregivers and the people who work at the senior living centers. The requests we pepper in, uh, we take any requests that we get and pepper them in throughout the show. So it's, it's really an interactive um, kind of social media version of radio. Wow. Can you tell us about some of the DJs? 
Oh, the DJs are wonderful. This project has really been bringing out the joy and uh, excitement from these DJs. And this is possibly the um, widest spectrum of music that you'll ever hear when you turn, tune into Radio Recliner. There's country music. Dolly Parton is a big one. We see a, a lot of blues and oldies and show tunes. And what's great is the DJs each make their show 100% their own. They choose a DJ name. So we have uh, DJs like DJ Birdman and DJ Pickle Toes. And <laughs> it's, uh, they really uh, embrace the, the DJ personas and fall right into that role of being a great DJ. Do, do any of them have themes for their shows? Yes, there was uh, one woman who wanted to make the world laugh. So she had a comedy show. We had a DJ named DJ John Galt, who did a country music show, mostly from the 90s. We had DJ Birdman, whose songs uh, were all about birds and until he started playing beautiful music on the uh, Hammer Dulcimer. It's a, a really wide variety. How has this radio station enabled seniors to reminisce about their favorite eras or their favorite music? There's something about music that really brings back vivid memories. And uh, you can tell listening to this that the stories really come back. Stories of going with your parents the first time to see your first show. And there's lots of stories like that and stories about how different songs meant something to you uh, with your parents or your wife. Uh, so it's really connected in that way. This is Bob Coleman, better known as the Karaoke Cowboy. We're going to go down some memory lanes today with songs that most of us should remember. Some you may like, some you may not like. But if I like them, we're going to play them. We're going to go back a, a little ways because people our age will remember these back in the big band era in the 40s, in the war years, and a lady that was one of my time, all-time favorites, and I hope everybody else's favorite, never heard anything bad said about her. A beautiful lady, beautiful voice, named Doris Day, and I'd like to kick this off with Doris Day, Sentimental Journey. Take a sentimental journey Gonna set my heart at ease Gonna make a sentimental journey To renew old memories We've even had DJs who are in the memory units of some of these senior living centers uh, in fact, we had two DJs who are actually in hospice care right now, and they may not be able to speak much longer. And it's creating these really beautiful documents of them and their stories. And um, we're delivering those to the, to the families so they can have those as well. Oh, that is powerful stuff. During COVID-19, it's the elderly and those who live in senior communities who are most susceptible to contracting the virus. What needs has Radio Recliner fulfilled for these seniors in quarantine? You've touched upon a few. I think the feedback we're getting from lifestyle directors is that 
this has given people a chance to be creative and to express themselves and to have a fun connecting activity in a time where most of their activities are on pause right now. It's brought a hopeful spirit to what's going on with them right now. Yeah, because we know that it is vital to mental health and brain stimulation to stay engaged. So this is providing an important need for these seniors. Can you tell us about the responses you've had from the seniors, both DJs and listeners? We've had great responses from the DJs. They're um, so thrilled to hear themselves uh, when they tend to get together and listen to the shows together in each community, socially distanced. And it's kind of making them celebrities and they're having a great time with that. They'll often call back in and make requests on the on the hotline uh, even after their show. And um, they're really spreading the word and We've heard a lot from families of the DJs who reach out and uh, say how much this has touched them. And we also have so many beautiful requests coming in, people who are used to being able to visit their loved ones and, and can't do it and are using this as a way to, to stay in touch. Do any specific examples come to mind? Actually, we just had a Mother's Day show um, that was made up completely of requests. And there were some kind of beautiful and a little bit heartbreaking stories of, of people missing mothers that they were going to be able to see and couldn't. A lot of people sounding a little bit emotional in, in missing their, their loved ones. I saw on your website that there was a man who wanted to send out a greeting to his wife and he played Bill Withers, Lean On Me. There's so many great songs like that. And the way that the DJs are, are finding songs with special meaning and making those dedications has, has been one of my favorite parts of this. Another thing that I love is that we ask each DJ to give advice to other residents who are isolated right now. And the things that they say are, are truly beautiful to find one beautiful thing each day and hold on to it. We had another DJ who, who said, don't give up on living right now. Don't give up on knowing that we can connect and, and get through this together. And every single DJ has had a beautiful take on how to stay positive throughout this. This is an important social service you've created. It has been really meaningful to, to help these seniors connect and, and stay connected. Mitch, do you think the radio station will continue after the pandemic subsides? When we first started this, we said, let's, let's make this happen for a month and, and see what happens. And the response has been so good that our client is interested in extending it indefinitely and continuing to make this happen because pandemic or not, it's just a fun idea that, that keeps seniors involved in music and in connecting. Mitch Bennett is the chief creative officer at Lucky, an Atlanta marketing agency. There will be more about radio recliners, DJs, and schedule on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. 
we're fundraising today, but this spring we're doing things differently and keeping these breaks as short as possible. Please help if you can at wabe.org slash donate. Joining me is WABE's operations manager, Kevin Rinker. Thanks, Lois. WABE.org slash donate is the website to go to, or you can call 678-553-9090. Your donation right now helps us pay for all the critical news and information you get on WABE, as well as great arts and culture programming like City Lights. But today you can also help a frontline worker with your donation. That's because we're partnering with the Piedmont Healthcare Foundation so that each donation you make to WABE provides a frontline worker with a kit of personal protective equipment. We're talking about items like masks, gowns, gloves, and shoe covers. Please help by making a donation now at wabe.org donate or by calling 678-553-9090. And thanks to Piedmont's COVID Infrastructure Fund for sponsoring today's partnership. WABE.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. Thanks to all of you who have already made donations. People like Ms. Kaufman here in Atlanta, she writes, this gift is actually from my 25-year-old daughter, Sophie. We're making gifts as a family to organizations we find critical in the community. Sophie chose WABE, which we heartily support. Thank you for keeping us informed and entertained always, and especially right now. We listen to you daily and are grateful for both your balanced reporting and your charming, informed show hosts. It's so wonderful to hear this type of feedback. Thank you, Ms. Kaufman. We can only provide this programming because of donations from listeners like you. So please give at wabe.org slash donate. It's true, Lois. Your charm knows no bounds. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> Call 678-553-9090. It's important that we hear from you right now because 84% of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. Many of our listeners typically give $15 a month, but please give what you feel you can afford at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. City Lights is 30 seconds away. Thanks to all of you who've helped us so far during the drive. We need to hear from you, too. Please give right now if you can at 678-553-9090. Or wabe.org slash donate. And if you donate online, you'll get to see all of the great thank you gifts we offer to members. It only takes a couple of minutes to give, and if you're already a sustaining member of WABE, please consider giving an additional gift. We need you. Go to wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Thanks so much. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily celebration of Atlanta arts and culture. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. to hear how the Plaza Theater is screening drive-in movies for Shelter in Place. Our producers are Summer Evans and Ryan McFadden. 
Kevin Rinker is our engineer, and I'm Lois Reitzes. I'd love it if you'd follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. And City Lights is now a podcast. Check it out wherever you go for podcasts. Thanks for listening to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.